Welcome to No One Is Safe, a podcast about books, life, and where the truth can be stranger than fiction. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gazzari. Welcome back to No One Is Safe. I am still Elizabeth, at least as far as I am aware. The birds are chirping outside. The windows are open. We're going to see if you can podcast like this. We'll wing it and see what happens. So we're going to kick it back to March, and we are going to head to Maine, where there's dinosaur golf, where there's quiet towns with no one in them because it's off-season. And most importantly, we are getting there by way of Pennsylvania. Just in case you didn't listen to the past couple of episodes, big life change in November into December, moved out to Connecticut temporarily, moved back to New Jersey in January. Now I'm looking for a place to live. I have a couple of places on my list, some of them more within a reasonable budget, some of them places I want to go, places I want to see, places I want to live, places I can't afford. So we're looking at the towns next to. And that's kind of where I was with Maine. At this point, I had really loved, loved, loved Pennsylvania. The town was beautiful. The people were amazing. It just felt like the right move for me. I was also facing a salary cut at work, mostly because as I mentioned, positions change, situations change, responsibilities change. And with that, I kind of said, okay, I know that I can budget better than most people I I've met in life. My mom taught me how to stretch a dollar bill until George Washington cries. However, what I learned that much like getting a mortgage for buying a house, because at this point now I've bought a condo, sold a condo, bought a house, and being bought out of a house. So I know that if you don't have certain numbers on paper, even if your salary can afford it, a bank won't give you a mortgage. Taking that principle over to rent, if you can't on paper show that you make X amount of dollars, not everyone will rent to you. So it really limited my options. I actually started looking for rent with with a just about a $10,000 salary cut. As it turned out, I my math was not overly off. So kudos to me for, you know, having some forethought, although it does beg the question, like, did I put it into the universe that it was going to be that much? And I like willed it into fruition or did I just have a good gut instinct about what was to come? Either way, I planned accordingly. I took the Boy Scout motto into consideration. I was going to be prepared no matter what. And I happened to find this amazing little apartment in Pennsylvania. Now, note very quickly that on the internet, it looked like a piece of shit. I say that lovingly because it's currently the apartment I am sitting in. So the pictures didn't quite do it. Actually, the pictures didn't do it any justice whatsoever. And it looked tiny. It looked cramped. But it was affordable. And especially coming from New Jersey, I think the last apartment I looked at in New Jersey and actually really loved the pictures of, loved the layout, had a lot of good things going for it. It was a one-bedroom loft. So there was one bedroom and then a loft upstairs. It had a tiny kitchen, a tiny living room, a tiny bedroom, one of the smallest bathrooms I've ever seen. It came with nothing paid. You would pay all the utilities on your own and... In addition to that, to use the condo association's facility, because it was an it was a townhome thing that someone was renting, right? So to use the facilities, the pool, the gym, 
the laundry, you had to pay an additional $500 a month out of pocket. So essentially with none of the extras, the rent was somewhere around $1,850. And that's not including the realtor's fee, broker's fee, New Jersey fee. I don't know. There was a lot of fees and your security deposit. And basically what it ended up being was going to be like, I think it was about eight grand, six to eight grand to move in. And this, mind you, was when I was looking long before I started looking out of state. So I can only imagine as, you know, we got closer to those summer months, what the rent started to look like. When I saw this two-bedroom apartment with everything paid except the electric and the cable slash internet, again, two bedrooms with a dishwasher. Yeah. Like everyone who lives in New Jersey in the tri-state area, it has a dishwasher. Everything is here. I can walk to pretty much everything. I almost fell over when they told me what the rent was. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go see it anyway. Maybe I'll love it. Maybe I'll hate it. Who knows? But the only time I could see it and still get my paperwork in before this salary cut was coming, because I knew I had had a feeling that something wasn't quite right just based on a couple of conversations. I talked to my manager. You know, we kind of got to the heart of the matter about the change in my position, the responsibilities, the pivots that the company was taking, yada, yada. So I knew that this conversation was upcoming. I like to be honest. So I submitted all of my paperwork to get pre-approved for this apartment. It was prior to seeing it. I submitted everything. And... It worked out well because in the next couple of weeks, it was the week after actually that I came back and saw this apartment and the week after I went to Maine that my salary did get cut and it got cut by 12 grand. And so I understood. I'm not upset about it. Just, you know, you're in the midst of all these life changes. You're planning, you're planning, you're budgeting. And it's a big difference, right? But I was prepared for it. I knew that I could still afford this apartment. Even with the salary cut, I just wanted on paper. I wanted to have it. You know what I mean? Like they wanted it to be approved. And so regardless, the only weekend that they could get me in to see this apartment, which you had to see it before committing to, was this same weekend that I was leaving for Maine. So I said, fuck it. My, one of my best friends was going with me on this trip. So I was like, great. So they were coming with me and I said, hey, I'm actually going to have to pick you up a day later. Hope that's not a problem. And they asked why. And I explained the whole situation and they were like, dude, don't worry about it. We'll do it. We'll do Maine by way of Pennsylvania. So we ended up coming down. You know, it was great because I've never looked at an apartment before, not earnestly, not like okay, I'm definitely doing this, not just seeing my options. And I had no idea what to look for. Like apparently there's a litany of questions that you need to ask about what is this? What is this? Is this covered? Is this not? Is this to be expected? Parking. There's like a lot of questions, you know, security deposits, screens, the blinds are broken. Will you fix those? I had zero idea that those were questions you needed to ask for an apartment. Now, mind you, I probably could have figured some of them out, but just having someone who understood apartment shopping made it a lot better. It just worked out that like, I was so grateful to have someone to be there to help me with all like the tricky questions. How does your rent get paid? You know, it's amazing that the things people learn and the things I am learning, quote unquote, so much later in life. Like I'm 33 years old and I finally have my first apartment. Meanwhile, 
it's because I owned a house and before that I owned a condo. So I definitely did cool things, just didn't do them in the traditional order. So I get all the information about this apartment. I have until like Monday to decide. I'm still going up to Maine to see if any of those towns are the towns I want to live in. And it just, it couldn't have happened in like a better way. I got to Maine. First town was an immediate no. The second town was, well, this is cool, but like, I don't want to live here. And the third one, I was waiting for someone to murder me. But that seems to happen about every four places I go at this point. Whether or not that's an actual testament to the places I'm going or just my imagination, I'm not really sure. Either way, I was able to make a decision. I was able to call Peg, who's like the most amazing real estate lady ever. Just wanted to put her in my pocket and take her home with me. Such a sweet doll heart. Call her and get the ball rolling and get the ball set. And I was able, while in Maine, to solidify my apartment. The apartment that I was going to have. My lease was going to start the 15th of April. I was doing things. Things are happening. And it was really effing cool. Now, speaking of really effing cool, completely unrelated, there is a dinosaur mini golf place in Maine. And I don't remember where. So if anyone remembers, it's between Wells, Sacco, Seiko. I always want to say Seiko. I always want to say Seiko, but I was told it's Sacco. I just don't understand who would want to call a town Sacco. But I guess since there's like a Blue Balls, Indiana, and an Intercourse, Pennsylvania, I might have those states wrong. I guess we're just, we're all just small, small children, immature at heart. I don't know. Maybe small, small children is the wrong way to say that. So if you know of the dinosaur mini golf place that is around Wells, Sacco, Seiko, Biddeford, somewhere in that general area, please let me know because I'm going to hunt it down. No pun intended. I would never hunt a dinosaur. That's just rude. But I would try to befriend one and love it unconditionally until its death or my death, whichever happens first. I don't really know the lifespan of dinosaurs. I mean, does anyone really know since they were taken out by meteors? I do realize that like there's archaeologists who do things like this and anthropologists and all of those really cool people who study these things, paleontologists. But I do have a serious question, and I should probably do some independent research. How do we know what color dinosaurs are or dinosaurs were? I was just talking about this with someone the other day because we have all the information for like bones and fossils and growth and stuff, but I don't think there's like random scales and skin pieces laying around, right? It's not like anyone took a picture. So I just am deeply curious about how we know what color the dinosaurs are. Is it based on diet? Is it based on the sun? Like someone give me some information here. Did I say paleontologist? I think I did. Getting back on track and refocusing to what I'm supposed to be talking about outside of mini golf is my trip to Maine. And again, it really solidified my decision to go to Pennsylvania and move here and become a Pennsylvania resident. But it was also neat because I did get to stop in a bookstore. I believe it was in Wells or I think it was in Wells. It was this awesome little side-of-the-road store with this very seemingly cranky old man. He was not. But when you walk in, he was like gruff and unsure. And and so we were walking around, my friend and I. He's looking for books he likes. I'm looking for books I like. I come around the corner 
And now, like, this is toward the end of our shopping trip. They're going to be, the store's closing pretty soon. We, like, just made it. Apparently, everything in that part of Maine closes exceptionally early when it's not in season. So I guess their in season is just the end of spring, maybe the beginning of summer through the end of summer. But they're closing early. I was trying to stay focused. Obviously, that is not incredibly easy for me to do sometimes. But I come around the corner and I see this beautiful set of Wizard of Oz children's books. And I wanted to buy every single one of them. But as discussed, I have like this impending pay cut that I know is coming, but I don't know what it looks like. I'm trying to get an apartment. I just agreed to an apartment. I have a lot going on. Plus, you know, I love to travel and I have loved getting to see all of these states that I saw. I mean, so far this year, I saw more states than I have. I think the past couple the rest of my life combined. I mean, I've gone up and down the East Coast, but this year alone, I've gotten to see, and some of these we're talking about next week, but I've gotten to see Utah, Arizona, Nevada, Indiana, Ohio. And I think that's it for new states. I've definitely gotten to see a lot of Florida. I'm going to be seeing more of Florida coming up. So Florida is big on this year's list. I got to see Maine again. I had gone to Maine when I was younger, but I did drive through Vermont and New Hampshire one of which was new for me. Neither I really stopped and spent any time in. But, you know, I got to see all these really cool states, and that's amazing. But it's expensive. And I justified the cost because I was looking for a place to live. I didn't want to settle. I didn't want to just take the first apartment that came to me. I didn't want to just say, this is where I'm staying because I can afford it. I really wanted to find the right place. And for me to do that, I allowed myself a bigger budget than what I normally would to travel and see these states. Now, granted, the one, the states we're going to talk about next week, I believe it was next week. No, it's like in two weeks from now, we're talking purely vacation, the most breathtaking views in America. It's so, as much as it's a big deal, they are so underrated. The national parks of Utah, like you have to get out there and you have to see them. You just, you have to. It's a must. It's a prerequisite, I think, for really enjoying and saying you're from America. So getting myself, again, back to the point, my budget was super tight. I couldn't buy all of them, but I did pick out one and it was just beautiful. And it was the first one as opposed to a couple other ones that were much prettier, but it has all these gorgeous illustrations. And it was my little piece of Maine that I got to take home with me, even though it was not where I was ending up moving to. But that kind of brings us back to the heart of the matter, which is books. And the books that I was able to read in Maine between traveling around were Hunting Adeline by H.G. Carlton, The Plot by Jean Hanf Corlitz, and On Rape by Jermaine Greer. Now, we're going to talk about On Rape by Jermaine Greer very briefly. I understand that, you know, there's some controversy on her beliefs and her opinions. However, the essay that I read specifically on rape, she does call out in the beginning of her essay the terms she's focusing on and the specific atrocities that are happening within the confines of her own parameters. She's not, to the best of my knowledge, and based on my interpretation of reading what she did write, she's not excluding other forms of rape. She's not discrediting them. She's simply addressing one very specific form of rape in her essay, which is I think like 88 pages long. And it was an interesting read. 
it's certainly interesting to read things whether you agree with them or disagree with them. Sometimes it's better to read what you disagree with just to get a better understanding and a more comprehensive view of you know, the world. It's easy when we all agree with each other. It's great, you know, when people get along, but there's still space for people to disagree with each other and get along. Obviously, there's some ideologies that, you know, push that. Like if I think it's cool and okay to, you know, murder your cat, which, oh my God, I would never. I love animals. I love animals more than people. Uh, I'm one of those, like dogs, cats, fish, any kind of animal, please don't hurt the animals. I am not for animal cruelty, but to be clear, if that's my belief and that's what I act upon and that's what I do to someone, then like, no, that's not okay. You don't have to get along with me. You shouldn't get along with me because that's different than what I'm speaking about. I'm talking about it's okay to have slightly different views or different views entirely. My mom and I have very different views on certain things and we get along and we respect each other and we respect that we don't always agree to the same things. And that is where I think the beauty of reading essays like On Rape lies, you know, because you can then understand someone else's opinion and you can reinforce your own opinions or maybe get a change of perspective or maybe understand something you didn't before. So I'm a believer that it opens you up to new ideas and that's how we grow as people. So very briefly, I think it's worth reading. I think it brought up some interesting topics, certainly worth exploring or it's a quick read. So if you're even remotely interested in it, I'm going to, I'm going to say, give it a try. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That is okay. Again, Everyone has different opinions. The next book that I read, The Plot, very interesting. Last month or the previous month for book club, we had read Magpie Murders, which I didn't really speak about. I enjoyed it a lot. It was good. It was a novel inside of a novel kind of deal. Then for March, for book club, we read The Plot. And that was interesting because it was a different format and a different way of including a story in a story. Both were about authors. Uh, the plot definitely had some highlight moments. There were some plot twists that I saw coming, but then there were others that I had no idea about. So it was very interesting. I thought, I definitely can't remember the ending for certain, but I think I do. And I think that's kind of what cinched it for me. Like the part that really made me enjoy it the most was just that it was so unexpected, even though it was expected, if that makes sense. It did get tedious in some places, but overall, again, you have an author struggling with whether or not the material they took, the story they took, and then turned into a different novel. If that is stealing, not stealing, where the line is drawn for things like that. But inside the novel that they're writing about is a female character and her struggles with growing and moving on and setting her own path and course of life. So even though it's not as bold as some of the other novels that I've read with strong female themes, that one, I liked it. I wouldn't say you have to read it. You can read it. Obviously, you can do whatever you want as a human being. Yay for you. But, you know, I overall, if you like it, that's cool. If you don't like it, then I could also see where you're coming from. And while definitely more divisive than the plot, Last but not least, five-star book rating from me personally, the last book in the Cat and Mouse duet, including the, it'd be the third book if you include the prequel of 
Satan's Affair is Hunting Adeline by H.G. Carlton. So understand, I fucking loved this book. And yes, I self-edited because ironically enough, the most fucked up book of them all is the one I choose to try to watch my mouth about. But I thought it was great. I thought it was amazing. While you still have morally gray characters, their situations and where they're acting upon their urges, that sounds really lame. Basically, the playing fields that they are in are much more clearly bad, good, black, white, light, dark, however you want to say it. They're much more straightforward and clearly defined. The first book, depending on how literal you are in your morally gray interpretations, the character of Zaid can definitely go too far one way for some people. And, you know, it is fiction, so there's always that to consider. Again, I liked that book. I thought it was great. I liked Satan's Affair a lot, actually. But hunting... Adeline tied it all together for me, I guess as it should, is like the last component of the story. I really loved where Adeline took herself and drew herself and her inner power and took back the things that were taken from her, where she allowed herself to feel her feelings, whether they were dark or light or good or bad or broken or strong. It didn't matter. She just leaned into herself and being herself and being able to be herself with someone else. And that was beautiful in my opinion. It was a beautiful love story. It was sad and tragic and really fucked up. And, you know, it does include themes of human trafficking and abuse toward children. And like, those are all awful, terrible, terrible things. None of those are being celebrated in these novels. You should still check the trigger warnings. But it was really amazing what the characters of Adeline and Zaid did together and both did independently. There's so many interesting character dynamics and things being tied in from Satan's Affair, from the first book of Haunting Adeline. And I just, I really liked it. I thought it was a great book. Again, there are some sex in that book that will make you say, oh boy, I actually saw a reel today on on bookstagram and I think it was it was definitely about one of the two I think it was actually haunting but it was something to the effect of like whatever the sound bite was was basically like well oh hot damn not what I was expecting somebody call for Jesus or something to that effect so like I get it they're definitely not books that are for everyone I really liked them I think that reading the first two definitely makes the third amazing I think you can read the third one as a standalone and it kind of cuts out some of that morally gray components from the first book that might be upsetting to people. I also, while there is violence in the second one, it's just a different kind of violence than maybe the first one and it might make, not make it okay, but I think it might be more palatable for people. Again, those are just my opinions. These are all just my opinions. I genuinely liked it a lot. I'll talk about it. You want to talk about it? We can text, we can call, we can video chat. I'll talk about that book with almost anyone. I really did enjoy it. 
in <laughs> in the very, very different context, the no one is safe hashtag for me, we all know by now it re- represents the people and things that have happened in my life that have turned into stories. No one being safe in the hunting and haunting Adeline series is very different. So to switch perspectives from a five-star book that I loved and do recommend to those who like that type of book, who might want to try a dark uh, romance, who are open to those kinds of gray areas or more like gray characters, it's not for everyone and that's totally okay. But pivoting from that perspective to my perspective on No One Is Safe, this month is actually someone that I have never met. It's someone who their character is so far removed from who they actually are It's comical, and if they did read my story, I don't even think they would realize it was them. Mostly because I didn't specify like a real lake and a real date and a real time. So the story that we're talking about is Lure of the Lake. It is available to be read on my website, elizabethskazari.com. It's all about my first time kayaking, and I was just heading back in, looking at the scenery, had gone all the way across the lake, and was now going back to the shoreline, I guess it's called. And there's this couple. And I had like kind of noticed them on the way out, but you know, definitely noticed them on the way in. They had snuggled up closer. They had kind of pushed their their boat kayak. I think it was a boat, their boat thingy back further. They had candles. And if not candles, like a little lantern-y thingy. I don't know. There was definitely a wine glass. They were drinking their wine. It was all cute and snuggly. And from that moment where I saw this cute little romantic couple having a night out on the lake at sunset, the story formed in my head. And that couple went from being two people together to one old man and, spoiler alert, the head of his dead wife. And it took such a dramatic turn. And so it doesn't matter if I've spoken to you, if I know you, if you've hurt my feelings, if you've made me feel good. If I have just seen you and you have sparked something in my brain, I don't know if it was the sunset or the lake or the kayaking or the fact that they were snuggled together so cutely and my brain's just fucked up so I assume it's going to murder. I'm not sure. All I know is that is where the inspiration came from. And much like the fact that I thoroughly love reading and writing, I also love kayaking. It is phenomenal. It's great for your core. It is just beautiful and definitely something I want to do again this summer. But as I have been saying for the past couple of weeks, no one is just one hobby. And in my life, no one is safe. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening to No One Is Safe. This podcast, just like my writing, means so much to me, and I am so thankful for everyone on the journey. If you've enjoyed episodes so far, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and reviewing wherever you get your favorite podcasts. To read my short stories, go to elizabethskazari.com. You can also sign up for the newsletter, which will provide you access to one exclusive short story a month. You can also follow me on Instagram at elizabethskazariauthor. I hope that all of the content I provide you with brings you joy, as well as a certain level of uncertainty, maybe even some chills. Thank you so much again for being on this journey with me. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Just remember, no one is safe.